0: Love, just.
1: we're live <laughs> i don't know when it goes live welcome everybody wednesday 3 30 p.m central joined by the wonderful alexandra and gary thank you both very much for joining me today gary's got his vacation look on he's on vacation and he's looking spiffy I like it. And Alexander looking beautiful as ever. Thank you both very much for joining me today. Um, Lots to talk about, obviously, uh, in the world of Tesla, in the world of Elon Musk. Delivery production report just came out on Monday, January 2nd. Uh, I'm sure uh, everybody wants to hear everybody's thoughts on that. And there's a lot of different things as well. Um, These usually we have a rough guideline and then the conversation goes as we've done it before and then. God knows what comes up for the next uh, 60 to 90 minutes. So uh, maybe what we'll do is we'll throw it over to Gary first. Gary, uh, if you didn't catch him, he was on CNBC earlier today. The dude's freaking making the rounds on TV. He looks so good on there. And uh, I would love for you to kind of catch us up on uh, your thoughts, Gary, uh, your thoughts on Tesla's Q4, uh, what you're thinking about from an earnings perspective. And then, uh, Alexandra, you can go next, and then we'll turn into a conversation. So, Gary, take us away. Sure. <laughs> okay.
2: So, obviously, the fourth quarter numbers missed. That's why the stock went down 12% yesterday. I think we're probably forming a bottom, you know, somewhere in the 105 area because it just becomes so cheap. And you get institutions who probably have never owned Tesla before saying, wow, at 21 times consensus earnings for next year, which is just a couple points above s and I could get even 30% growth, not 50, but 30 because those are the consensus numbers. The stock looks pretty good. I would say with the volume is that's two quarters in a row they missed because of China, both times. We saw the um, weekly insured number units come out last night. They were terrible. It was 4,000 for the week. So if you look at for December, it was 48,000, which is the lowest last month of the quarter this year. Um, now for the whole quarter, it was okay, but I think it's gonna make people you know, even more worried about China. And it's gonna increase the pressure for Tesla to come up with a, a lower price car, whether it's a $25,000 car, I don't care what it's gonna be, but it's got to be something that goes to the heart of where BID competes, BYD competes, which is that under $30,000 segment. And so, you know, where, where we are now is the lowest multiple we've ever seen on Tesla. It's 21 times, uh, the lowest before was 28 times back in 2019. And I think at this point, when I look at the catalyst going forward, I still have Cybertruck. I still have, you know, some progress on the cheaper car. We still think there's going to be a buyback now more than ever. Uh, at some point, Elon's going to choose a CEO of Twitter. That'll be a catalyst. And so I, we're sticking with the stock. If you didn't see Alexandra's uh, column from today, we bought more yesterday, about 105. Um, and it's, again, our largest position. We were kind of waiting. We, we let it fall you know, passively because we just didn't, you know, you don't want to catch a falling knife, but we didn't know when the bad news is going to be done. I think the bad news is kind of done. We have earnings in a couple of weeks. We're about where consensus is. Consensus is sixteen. <laughs> Non-GAAP, we're at about a dollar dollar twenty, depending on you know how we think about the energy storage business. We'll talk about that later. Um, but I don't, I don't think the earnings themselves are going to matter all that much. I think it's going to be the gross margin, which you know, XREG credits is about twenty-seven because they had to take a hit because they discounted in the fourth quarter. So that probably is not going to be a great number. And more importantly, people are going to want to know what's going to happen going forward. How are they thinking about the year? How are they thinking about volume? And again, when Elon talks about recession, you know, that that that's something that's different from other people. Other people think it's going to be a shallow recession. So when he starts saying, OK, the number is going to be really bad because of recession, you, you just you don't know exactly if that's apples to apples with the way everybody else is thinking. So let me stop there.
0: Yeah, you're packing it all in there. My gosh, I had my seven points and you just... Bunker through. Hi, Gary. Hi, Gary. Good to see you on vacation. Come back soon. Um, so so a couple of things. Well, congratulations on buying yesterday at 105. That was obviously the right moment. And if I saw it right, you did it selling all your Rivian position to to uh, increase your Tesla, right?
2: Yeah, what we realized is Rivian just tracks Tesla. Tesla, you know, is, is its own animal, if you ask me. It, it, it acts like a tech stock. It tends to follow the high-quality tech names, but obviously it's got its own unique set of fundamentals, so it doesn't, it doesn't behave exactly like tech so Fourth quarter's a perfect example where Tesla was down 55% and NASDAQ was flat. But Rivian, what we found is it really does just follow Tesla, and so we just figured Tesla's just too cheap right now, Tesla makes money, Tesla's high quality, and so we just took, we had a small position in Rivian, it was less than 1%. We just took it and we put it into Tesla yesterday.
0: Good. So, you, so Tesla back to number one position and you got a, don't remember, 2% position in BYD, right? Those are the only two Correct. EVs that you got. I mean, the Harley you can probably have now as a mixed EV story as well soon, <laughs> right?
2: I guess. I mean, you could look at Harley as being, a you know, we're playing because of the electric bike business, but it's still very small. BYD is a great stock if you can stomach that they have very low margins, but those margins mm-hmm. grow over time. Those China numbers that they're putting up every single month—again, this week the the numbers that they put up last night were huge—and so yeah. they're getting a ton of what I'll call China EV share. Obviously, they have plugins, plus they have BEVs, but you know, even just the BEV business is booming. So I like the stock a lot, and the margins will go up. The margins are single-digit, as everybody knows, but they'll get higher as they continue to get more scale.
0: Well, low, low single digits. Okay, fine. So that's on on BYD. Now on on deliveries, um, why are you so skeptical on demand? Because um, I mean, fair enough. There are thirty five thousand still on um, on on ships um, somewhere in the seas in the world, and maybe if we believe Troy, another same amount uh, in an, in inventory waiting to be allocated. Is that really so much of a problem? Because, I mean, this is more or less 5% of the yearly numbers. Having 5% half of it on ships and half of it in the worst case scenario uh, sitting in inventory, meaning two weeks of stock. I mean, what, what makes everybody so worried about demand problem? End of October, two months ago, we still heard that for the foreseeable future, we are selling any car that we're producing. What happened in those two months?
2: I think it's the fear of the unknown. And as you know, with Tesla, they're in their quiet period. They're not going to talk until earnings. They're not going to talk to me. They're not going to talk to the analysts. And so when, and I've said this before on Twitter, when you have a CEO say, well, we see these severe recessionary winds, it just makes people nervous. And particularly Mm -hmm. what happened in the fourth quarter, that he is seeing something that the rest of us are not seeing. Mm -hmm. And it it could be, and look, I talked to other bulls about this. It could be that there's some demand issue. You know, the brand may have taken a hit because of all the noise. I don't see that. I don't hear about it anecdotally that people are canceling their orders because they saw some tweet, that some right-wing tweet, but you know, I don't see it. But it would be helpful to see some, some, some marketing numbers, net promoter scores, uh, brand intent, customer loyalty. These are basic things that every company buys. They buy marketing research and they should be available to us so that we can see if the brand's actually taking a hit. Like I said, and I want to stress this, I don't see it, but there are clearly people who are selling the stock because of the unknown. They they just, they, when you look at the street numbers, they don't buy into the 50% story. They're barely buying into a 30% story right now. I look today, the um, two two, and, and this is what drives stock prices with growth stocks is earnings and cash flows. So when you see that the 2023 numbers are down, since the volumes came out and they're down about 17% over the last month. That's clearly fueling people to sell the stock, right? Because earnings come down, that affects price targets, buy side price targets. So if a PM is managing money, they have a price target in their mind. and It's based on something. It's based on earnings or cash flows. They don't just pull it out of thin air like the sell side does. So somehow there's got to be a change in the trajectory of earnings for 2023 and beyond. And, and what will what will cause it to change will be more confidence about Cybertruck, more confidence about the, we'll call it the compact vehicle, whatever it's going to cost, and more <laughs> proof that the brand has not been affected by all this noise over the last six months. Which, again, I want to stress, I don't believe that's the case, but I know other people do.
0: I understand. And do you have the feeling they set up this IR day? Because, I mean, this is so untypical, right? Since they stopped PR... They'd never done an IR day. It was a product day or, or whatever, but it was never an IR day. So it was clearly labeled not an IR day. So now, for the first time since mid 2019, they're setting up an IR day. Is this damage control? Is this we are trying to be better communicators? Which makes my heart pump, right? I mean, I'm like, wow, good. Here we go. So, what's your what's your, what's your feeling on this? And
1: if the I can folks. give some context here, real quick, this is the this is the investor day that's going to be on March 1st uh, coming up exactly. in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Gary. Mm-hmm.
2: So, so my experience with these type events, IR days, is when they have something—I want to call it newsworthy—but something to say, something they feel is important. And again, you've got a lot of events happening. You got Cybertruck. You got the cheaper vehicle, which, for many reasons, they may not announce until they're closer to, you know, actually launching it. But I do think it's 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 probably so they can remind people of all the great things that are happening at Tesla. I know that Elon says he doesn't care about the stock price, and that's probably true. He's he's the second wealthiest man in the world, but his staff does Mm -hmm. and people who work there do because their comp is heavily oriented towards stock. And so I think they're trying, I wouldn't call it damage control, but I think when the stock is down this much in such a short period of time, they gotta do something. And so usually you see these IR days when either the stock price has really fallen by a lot or there's something really noteworthy to talk about that, you know, they could fill up a few hours or a day of, 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 of events just by having senior management talk about different topics. So I applaud them for doing this. I think it's a great idea because they haven't done it in so long. And after this quarter, and again, we don't know how the fourth quarter is going to be, but let's just suppose it's okay. And the volume numbers are, you know, are just bad. And we can, we can go through them and talk about in detail what you just said, Alexander, about the inventory and, and how much is is on ships and how much is It's about half and half, just so you know. Um, you know the the whole mega pack story is something that no sell side analyst is talking about. I know some buy side people that are talking about it, but there we that's, go. <laughs> that's a huge, that's a huge potential story if they can get the battery cells to build ten thousand of these things a year, if if they can. And even if you they can only build five thousand a year, that's still at two million dollars a piece. That's still ten billion dollars in incremental revenue. So it's a great. And I think they'll talk about. I think they'll talk about what they're going to do with all their cash because they mentioned specifically in the um, press release capital
0: allocation, allocation,
2: and that's code for what do we do with the cash? And this is cash Mm -hmm. after all internal needs. So after any gigafactories, after any internal projects like the bot or anything else, you know, what do you do with it? Do you you pay down uh, debt, which there isn't any? Do you pay a dividend? Do you buy back stock? Do you let it build in cash for the inevitable rainy day? Which that is not what people want to see. They want to see some commitment that management believes the stock is undervalued. Obviously Zach does, you know, he's exercising options to buy shares. So I think people want to see that there's some commitment by management to, you know, honestly put a floor in the stock, but at least say, look, we think the stock is very attractive here. And I think a buyback. Yeah. And it doesn't have to happen. Right. Some people were giving me grief the other day, which is fine. I don't mind the grief that, well, look what would happen if they did the buyback when you and Alexander were talking about, it. They would have paid 200 share no that's not the way buybacks work buybacks work exactly over two or three years and you, you, you keep your firepower you don't you don't buy it all at once i mean very few companies do that they would buy it you know over three years would be three billion a year so I, I i think that's likely and i think i don't know if we'll see it after first quarter but i do believe that you know you'll you'll actually see it because I can't. I, I can't believe that they think the stock price is fairly priced at 110, wherever it is today. No,
0: yeah. no, nobody does. So, do you think this will be live streamed the IR day? It's some, something that everybody will be. will be. It yeah. will be. Did they say if that? If you pull
1: it up, yeah. So, I actually wanted to read real quick the the statement for those that are on listen only. I wanna go.
0: It, I wanna go. If somebody I puts go plus one, I wanna go.
1: <laughs> Elon, if you're watching, three people Elon, right here. Thank you, us. and everybody in the comments. Uh, Martin, invite us. Yeah. <laughs> so, real quick, for those that are uh, on listen only mode. Tesla announces date for 2023 Investor Day, and I kind of want to throw my my two cents in there too because I I read a couple sentences I'm like, wow, this is kind of actually very interesting. We plan to host Tesla's 2023 Investor Day on March 1st, 2023. The event will be live streamed from our Gigafactory Uh, in Texas with the option for some of our institutional and retail investors to attend in person. Details to follow. Our investors will be able to see our most advanced production line, which to me sounds like Model Y, uh, single piece casting, maybe Cybertruck in there, as well as discuss. Long term expansion plans, which to me sounds like gigafactories, maybe master plan part three generation three platform, which to me is that twenty five thirty thousand dollar car capital allocation, which is that buyback and other uh, subjects with our leadership team. So to me, I think I think it really is. uh, It really is my the way I'm reading this is is truly a response to some of the uh, fears and some of the concerns and some of the legitimate feedback that Tesla has been getting from its investor base about some of the like we don't we're not really sure what's happening here, and the stocks going down, and like we're all kind of like, okay, like we trust Elon, but like what's what's going on <laughs> but right. I think this is a, I think this is a way for to maybe bring focus back into hey like for the next few years, check out what we're working on like here's the yeah. proof, here's the proof in the pudding yeah. like we got this, sorry for the noise, but we got it so and I'm um, sorry I actually Alexandra. Think, yeah
0: I actually think it the 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 first of March makes sense in so many ways. First of all, and I'm sure we're getting to the subject of the IRA and the IRS uh, hiccup. Uh, So the IRS is now currently having a two-month period of collecting public input of how they have to reshape the IRA, which will then be be republished. The draft will be finalized for the 1st of April, but the 1st of March, we will know what has gone into it, right? So that's 1st of March. Second thing is, as I've pointed out in my Substack, the annual shareholder meeting has been pulled forward to the 16th of May. It's going to be a critical uh, annual shareholder meetings with re-election of Elon, Robin, and uh, two other of the um, of the board members, Joe, who is a new one, and Hero, who is coming up for his three-year term to be re-elected. Um, and the proxy for that is going to be sent out on the 15th of March, right? So on the 1st of March, building up Shareholder goodwill and making sure everybody is back on board, sees the big picture, understands where Tesla is going is a critical moment. Two weeks later, that proxy will come out as institutionals will look for those proxy advisors, what they are saying. We need to make sure that we have our 50% uh, ducks in the row. So, so this 1st of March is really a critical date. I love that they set that date. I, I, if Martin is looking, congratulations, because I'm sure you were the one pushing for it. Um, this is a good one. This is very important.
2: So just echoing that. So obviously when the stock goes down as much, you've got big institutions selling shares. And I'm sure they tried calling up Martin or called up Zach because Zach talks to the big institutions and complained or questioned or whatever to try to figure out what's going on before they sell their shares. if, 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 If they do what they do to me, we say, well, we're in a quiet period, Gary. We can't really talk about it. That just causes them to say, "Okay, I'll sell and I'll ask questions later. To your point, Elon owns 13.4 percent of the shares today. And there is a good chance that some activists can show up. And people people call me every once in a while and they ask me about the stock and I know who they are. And if they're activists, they could launch some sort of campaign if they wanted to, whether to force a buyback or to get some directors on the board. And so to your point, if they do something March 1st, it's a way of building goodwill. For the remaining shareholders so that if there is some activist campaign that shows up out there at least people will feel good about you know what the company is trying and they're presenting so i do think the timing is not coincidental i agree with you that you know it's in advance of the 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 annual meeting and again we don't know if somebody's going to show up with some we'll call it activist campaign to try to actually do something Uh, because again elon only owns 13.4 percent of the shares today
0: yeah, the insiders all together about 15 now. Kimball, the other board members and all that. So that's not a lot anymore. Retail investors, 42. institutions now 43. So we're in a situation, if there are a couple of the big investors teaming up, or if those proxy advisors are doing their job, it can get heated. Because do remember, lots of the retail investors are not US-based, have problems voting, uh, Tesla has put that shareholder platform in place last year in July. It's hardly working. Lots of people are stuck in that receipt status. Martin, if you're still watching, get us out of that receipt status. We need to get something. <laughs> Somebody has to send him this video. This is my third message to him. Um, but, but to, I mean, it's just we all want to help, but make it easy for us to help. That, that's what I'm trying to say. Well, now, Alexander,
2: you keep track of these proposals that that failed. That you know Tesla has mm-hmm. proposed and and they've lost and. You don't see big companies lose proposals that much. And so that's why there could be some, again, we'll call it um, activist risk here. It is. they don't launch a campaign, they they, they might get it. You know, it's possible. It
0: is. It is. It is this ESG crowd. They drive me crazy. They're exactly what I don't like about these financial markets these last couple of years. Um, and um, I've written in my substack. I've given a couple of links. I don't really want to promote them. So I'm not giving that many links of it because more we show them, more people get ideas. And I, I certainly don't want to, uh, foster those. Um, but but there's clearly something underway with these ESG people who think that Tesla is not run the ESG way they want it to be run. I mean, we can talk about this for hours. It's crap, but that's the way it, it turns. And they do have the support of the um, state streets, vanguards, rocks of this world who are holding lots of Tesla shares through their index ETFs, which drive me crazy because people don't understand by going into an index ETF that they're giving their voting power away and to these institutions that have so much of it, right? And so if they really want to bundle up, uh, if Larry Fink has the idea that they have to punish Elon, they have very quickly a critical mass. So what happened in 2022 was they would have needed a super majority to change from a three-year Board of directors terms to a two year board of director terms. Why did they want to do it? Because they were now going, melting down to eight board of director members, which is obviously not divisible by three. They were nine before. Nine were three groups of three-year terms. So every year, three of them came up for re-election. I hope I'm explaining this right. So now we were down to eight. So it would have made sense to just go in two-year terms, four times two years. Um, it would have needed a supermajority for that. They didn't get the supermajority just because supermajority is very difficult when you start having lots of institutional investors who don't want to do it. And then the third point, so that was two of the the points they lost. They lost three points. The third one is that investors can commingle together 3% of their share count and then have a proxy size big enough to bring any... Thing up to the to the proxy statement so they lost that but then tesla was clever i think i mean i can't explain it any other way so that happened at the august beginning of august 2022 meeting and then beginning of october well, end of october they published their q3 2022 10q and down there in page 57 small like that was announced that they pull forward now the annual shareholder meeting of 2023, not for the August anniversary, but to the 16th of May. That brought forward all the dates where you could bring forward proxy proposals. Mm. Now suddenly 22nd of December, 2022. So if you think that anybody between the 5th of August and the 22nd of December had the time to get organized again, especially just before Christmas, a year and whatever, to get new proxies up there, I don't think so. I think the only one who actually jumped on that boat, probably without knowing what he was doing, is Ross, who suddenly declared his candidature for, for board of directors. Don't you all laugh? Um, because he just <laughs> you know, did this in a moment of, of big enthusiasm and despair. But um, I think Tesla was clever. There was a lawyer who was clever thinking this through. uh, And they cut short of lots of that noise, that proxy noise by pulling it forward. So that's a good thing, but you're right. They're losing a little bit of their fan base who guaranteed them that anything and everything could have been voted for.
1: Mm -hmm. So a very premeditated measure to really try to passively uh try and almost like defeat any sort of measure that would come through that could I don't know activist group that says Elon no longer CEO of Tesla and then so you're really mm. cutting down that that time span for somebody oh, yeah. to actually be able to pull All that these together. ESG
0: people? Yeah. All these ESG, All the ESG people, people I can tell you they they are they are motivated and, and they tried already middle of last year. You know, this is the really nasty crowd. And and I want to just quickly comment on on Leo because this morning he put out some more heartfelt tweets yeah. and, and and I Leo Co for... is
1: the third largest retail yeah. institution, he is. Right? exactly.
0: Yeah. and and I had some very good discussions with Leo over the time, but I think he is now very pained and and that shines through his, his mails, but uh, is his tweets. But one of them today was um, telling us that Warren Buffett is not investing in Tesla because of the ESG governance mishaps. That is the last reason why Buffett is not investing in in Tesla. That's certainly none of his considerations. Warren Buffett knows very well what a setup ESG is. If he wants to go in Tesla, he has many reasons to do or not to do it, but ESG is the last one of those. So, So let's please not give these ESG people any more platform than they deserve, and certainly not in a positive way. I'm most happy to spend... Hours of my life, again, educating everybody what a crap thing this is, but uh, certainly don't believe ESG is the way to go.
1: So there was a a piece that we were talking about prior to this around the, I think when we're talking about Q1, Q2 and Q3 and and thinking about the demand for Tesla, there was a. the, the unclear nature of the IRA, uh, the EV tax credit was something that was of potential concern because there are some blurry lines there. Um, and I think uh, maybe, Gary, like, do you think the unclear nature of the IRA and the EV tax credit is going to weigh down, um, you know, say the Model wide demand in the U.S.? And could this be a point of contention that could shine through on the, I don't know, investor day or, uh, you know, that? Uh, uh, day on May 16th, when everybody's supposed to come in, come together and uh, vote on stuff. Uh, how how do you think about the impact of the IRA EV tax credit?
2: So right now it's just huge uncertainty. If you call a couple stores and ask them about the EV tax credit, they're they're not allowed to talk about it, from what I could gather. And so you know at this point, the seven seat Model Y would qualify because it's got an eighty thousand dollar cap and Contrary to what Tony Sakanaki, who is the new ax on the stock, because he's been right, uh, says, if, if they were to reintroduce, not reintroduce, but start uh, producing and selling the Model 3 long range again, which they haven't sold since July, if they bring the price down below 55, that would also qualify. And so, you know, there are, there are vehicles that they could sell, but I do think there's just a lot of uncertainty out there. Now, I don't know if other... Um, Car companies have the same un, uncertainty if you walk into a ford dealership will they be able to tell you you know what what the ev credit is on a on a maki i don't know i haven't done that but i can tell you right now the, the, the people in the tesla stores are, are, are not instructed they're instructed not to talk about it which again you that's probably the right call until you get some certainty about this but it, it may take a couple months to get some certainty and in the meantime you're kind of in a situation where people who want to buy an ev may say well i'm just going to wait Right, because mm. I want to get that seventy-five hundred dollar credit, and unlike in China, where they extended the promotional discounts into through February twenty eighth, I don't think anything has been extended in in the U S. So it just costs. That's that's the yeah. challenge.
0: I okay. mean, it's a mess. It's a mess. But I do believe it's a mess actually for all car makers. I've been on Tesla's website three times a day since the first of January, but I also checked others. Nobody seems to know what they're doing. And I mean, we know we're in lawyer America, right? So can you imagine those corporate lawyers telling everybody just don't say anything until we know? Because if not, the car dealers have the $7,500 liability of anybody saying you promised me a tax Um, a a tax cut, which I may not get. And and so then they have to cover for it. So I'm sure the lawyers just tell everybody to shut up. But what gives me comfort is if it's the GMs and Fords having the same pain, because they will see it in weekly sales, right? If suddenly there are less people going to purchase anything because of that, they are going to put a pressure much more than any Tesla investor can, because we know they have the unions and they have the Democratic Party in their back. So... I do believe this will resolve not only because of pressure by Tesla investors and Tesla itself. And another good point I want to I want to say, the Twitter purchase. As much as you hated Gary, and as much as I love it, this time it actually proved useful because Elon yesterday had a call to the arms, and the community responded. I mean, Farzad had done it already two days in a row. I don't like this type of PR, but I have to give him it's quite efficient. He says, please come and do it, and the army goes out, right? And so it it has, can can you just imagine he wouldn't have Twitter now? And uh,
2: I just offer, again, if he was just a a follower with 113 million followers, not an owner, he could still do the same thing, correct?
0: Well, not if he's shadow banned, not if uh, all Twitter doesn't like him anymore. I mean, it does give him a platform, give him that.
2: Give that, I get that. Look, I see the benefits of Twitter, it's a great platform it's a, it's why a lot of advertisers wish they could advertise on it a lot of them want to come back it's why apple's come back it's why Amazon's come back it is a great platform um, so you're right it, you can use it as a, as a megaphone and by owning it you know he's not going to get banned from it which I guess is a good thing
1: do you Thought do you bad. agree do you agree that the noise around the Twitter acquisition has come down dramatically here in the last couple of weeks it mm-hmm. has
2: it has and I don't know if you know elon's Doing it consciously, or it's because we're getting close to earnings and we're close to volume. But I definitely notice, uh, you know, it's 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 been driven down for whatever reason. You don't see the noise that you had. And look, as I've said many times, this whole Twitter noise is a temporary issue. It's not something that is going to go on forever. China is is a different issue, and hopefully they can fix China and you know come up with either a cheaper car or some solution that can compete with BYD that's a fundamental issue that drives earnings estimates. With Twitter, it doesn't drive any earnings estimates other than if you believe that the brand's been somehow soiled because of noise, which I don't. I don't believe that.
1: Yeah. One of the things that I'm, I've been thinking through these last couple of days is I'm watching the – and again, this is not investment advice, but I would really love to get both of your takes – is that um, it seems like, you know, a lot of the noise that happened with twitter a lot of the craziness around potential brand damage um a lot of the fears around demand a lot of the fears around earnings um, just layer on as many as you want. There's just so much that has been weighing down the stock, and now for the last, uh, it went down 13% yesterday, but it rose up another five percent today. And then before the delivery, uh, the product and delivery production and delivery report, I think it was back up to back up to 120 dollars. Uh, so it seems like it's 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 uh, it has rebounded from that bottom of 105 quite quite nicely. Um. How do you guys think about a potential bottom here? Like is is and especially you know if you think about the fourth quarter uh estimated earnings and the 2023 estimated earnings it puts the like you said Gary on CNBC um the uh PE the price earnings ratio of the company is not 21, which is like It's it's the lowest in its history, and what my head goes through, again, none of this is investment advice, but as an investor, what I'm thinking through is like, okay, at what point do value investors say, okay, that kind of makes sense, right? And it's no longer a growth stock only, but it's also a value stock. Uh, Gary and then Alexandra, how do you guys think about that?
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, So it feels like 100-ish is kind of where, where the stock wants to bottom out, and that's when you have the people come in and they just buy it, and that just happens to be about... 20 times earnings. And to your point, Farzad, you, you just see people who have never owned this stock before who are saying, okay, now it's cheap enough, and all the bad news may be in the stock, and they're stepping up because it looks pretty cheap. And again, I can't find, I said this on CNBC today, I can't find a mega cap growth stock. So even if you accept 30% growth, and, and one of the things that Tesla needs to do at investor day or on earnings is reset the expectation. It can't be 50, 50 is too high. So we set it even at 30 is where the street is, 30% growth for 20 times earnings. You cannot find that type of price earnings growth multiple. Not Meta, not Google, not Amazon. There's nothing that... So I think, that, look, as portfolio managers look for ideas, they ask themselves, okay, do I like the business, especially growth investors? Do I like the business? Am I paying a fair price for it? And is, is all the bad news, for, especially for a stock that's falling... In, in in the stock already and i would argue on all three of those counts tesla's pretty cheap could they miss on earnings sure they could because they took a lot of we'll call it promotion expense in the fourth quarter but i do think they have a story and it's temporary again it'll it'll be explained as you know it's a one-time thing and as long as they don't keep promoting the hell out of the 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 the, 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 the evs i think you know 2023 actually could be a decent year When you look at where the street is right now, the street's at 515 in earnings for non-GAAP, and then they've got it growing to about 650 next year. So the growth rate is still intact, but it's just a lower growth rate. And so I think one of the things that Tesla could do is reset the growth expectation, stop talking about 50%, talk about something that's realistic and achievable, and then Hmm. go forward. And, And that would be better for the stock.
0: I completely second that, Gary. I mean, on on finding the bottom, I, I really hope so. I mean, I feel a bit ridiculous having said that 160 and now we're 108, right, 112 again. Um, but uh, I mean, like I always say, no, nobody has a crystal ball. I wish I would. Wouldn't sit here and try to talk you all. I would just tell you what to do. But that's not what it is. I, I have two points to make here. First of all, on guidance. I think Tesla is too precise or too well, precise, I don't find a better word, in giving their guidance, right? With these 50%. Now, which 50% is it? What is it? What's the base for the 50%? Yeah, it, it just invites all these speculations, calculations and whatever. And then people have this hard limit. Um, so I don't like the multi-year 50%, but I even like less the quarterly guidance, and I like even less the publications of these analyst consensus. I mean, if anybody wants analyst consensus, buy a Bloomberg or or subscribe to Gary's um what what's your subscriber thing for five dollars a month to get your extra information but but, you know don't exactly on twitter but don't 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 publish them you know what other comic or, or other company by the by the way does apple publish any you know how many iphones are sold how many macs are sold they don't so why does tesla feel the need to be so involved and at the same time telling us that the share price doesn't, doesn't count, right? That this just doesn't make sense. So to manage the expectations, either give guidance that's achievable and beatable, because it's all psychology, it's all, you know, the perspective that people put on it or don't, just don't do it. Don't give those analysts consensus and maybe don't even publish those those delivered and, and produce numbers because there is no obligation to do so. So I, I really would like them, and I said that already three months ago and I would like to reiterate that, I would like them to revisit whether it's so necessary trying to be so precise or, or then, I mean, then explain what you meant with your 50%. Is it based on 2020 line or is it really reset every quarter, every year? It just at the moment doesn't make sense. It's messy and it 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 leads to easy FUD saying, Oh, they didn't get it because fifteen thousand cars are somewhere else, right? It's just it's it's stupid.
2: Well, and I think they were doing a good job last year of sticking to long-term 50 percent. And then for some reason, it definitely wasn't being pushed by me or the other analysts. They decided to be more specific for the fourth quarter. So you had Zach say, we'll be just under 50%. And he was clearly talking about for 2022, that's not a long-term guy, just under 50%. And he said, we're on track this year, he used the term this year, for 50% production growth. And it's just under 50% that got him in trouble. And so I agree with you. I would not I would try to stay away from the quarterly guidance because it just doesn't do any good. And I would agree that they don't need to be publishing these... these um, Volume uh, delivery and production, the P and D report. They don't need to do that every month or every mm-hmm. quarter. That's that's. They could do it with earnings. They could give it out. It's it's in the earnings deck anyway. So yeah, why exactly. Have to do it twice. It's just. it's yeah. it's, not, it's not a good use of people's time to have that much information.
0: And it just hypes up everybody's expectations, and then when you don't have it, you have the result. The result there. So um, yeah. As I that...
2: what you said, Alexandra. So back sure. to the uh, fourth quarter numbers. So there were. Um, of 71,000 in inventory, and you get that by taking the third quarter numbers they showed in their shareholder deck, and then you take the difference between production and deliveries, which was about 34,000, and you could back into how much inventory they have now. That's about 71,000. And the question is, how much of it is on a boat already pre-sold? And so what, what, and you can look at some of Troy's stuff, you can calculate numbers yourself, but it looks to me that they're about, 33,000, uh, which was from November, got sent to Europe from China, and about another 7,000 went from China to Europe at the end of December. So that's 40,000. So that leaves you with about 31,000 that's unsold. To your point, that's about one week of inventory. And so the question is, you know, is that a big number or is it a small number? And so I look back last couple of quarters because we try to track this stuff. It's bigger than what it's been in the past. That 31,000. Compares to about 12 in the second quarter, about 20 in the third quarter, and if you go back to fourth quarter of 21, it was about 12. But
0: well, so you can't you can't just do that. You have to compare it to the total number. I mean, 12 was obviously also weak then, I, right? My point is, it's
2: not a bad number. One week of there I'm, we I'm, go. Right, I'm on your side. Okay, it's one one week <laughs> of, of 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 sales, which is and, and so you can't look at the 71, which a lot of a lot of the sell side is doing. You got to back out what's on a ship or has been delivered. There was a, two, a bunch of boats that got delivered um, on December 25th, about 33,000 got delivered. They, they didn't make it into deliveries. And then there was another 7,000 that went on a boat uh, December 29th and 30th. So you gotta back those out because those are largely pre-purchased, pre-paid. And so the real excess inventory was only about, um, you know, let's call it 31,000, which is not a big number. By historic standards
0: exactly exactly that's what I'm, I'm completely agreeing on that i want to bring up a subject that i didn't even have in my notes but i got so much heat for the last couple of days and i actually may get heat from you um i think tesla should start Content. considering let's do it i think tesla should start considering financing themselves rather than just uh externalizing that to banks now people tell me oh my god the balance sheet and they're not going to take this on um, and I reply, I mean, if there is one car company that has all the data on any driver and can locate the car anywhere in the world, if ever it has to be repossessed, it is Tesla, right? So I think they can go into financing actually with a much better data set on the person wanting to be financed and they can actually, rather than cutting margins on cars, um, win some percentage points on financing, either by going longer or by just having a more competitive financing structure um, and and do sales that they couldn't do if they continue relying on third-party financing.
2: What problem are you trying to solve?
0: Well, that people that may want to finance their cars currently are having too high monthly payments uh, and so delay their purchase.
2: Okay. So again, you can Google this, but you can look at 48th month, car loan rates, 60-month car loan rates. They've gone up from the end of October from 5.6, now they're 6.1. And this was in like middle of December. That's when I ran it by. And if you were to figure out, okay, take, you can plug this into your calculator, take a $45,000 loan and vary it: 5.6% rate, 6.1% rate. You know, how much the monthly payment goes up by? Take a guess.
0: 25 bucks.
2: 12 bucks. So, so I don't think they're losing customers. The contrary to what some people say because the loan rates go and, and look, 10 year interest rates are coming down again, you know, because people are seeing inflation come down. So I, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying, what, what problem are you trying to solve? Are you saying, well, the car payments are too high. Yeah. They could, they could subsidize the financing and get the car payments a little lower. That's that's fair, but I don't think that's what's causing people to not buy cars. I guess that's my
1: view. Okay. So, so what is causing people not to buy cars?
0: Yeah. Where does the lack of demand come from, if you see it? I don't see it, but...
2: I don't know. I mean, people have been talking about competitors coming in for years. And, yeah, there's more competition than ever. Every every car company now has, you know, three, four, six, eight EVs. They're advertising them.
0: They don't so, have them. They don't have them for well, sale.
2: But, but China has them. And look, China is, you know, the EV adoption in China is, what, 22% now. And Tesla share has fallen Tesla's share, you know, was about 15. Now it's down to eight EV shares. So you could argue that and again, China is a big market that that it, there is a lot of competition in China. I don't see it in the US and I don't think the brand's been affected by all this noise. So I, I don't know if it's just, you know, China also had a lot of COVID in the last month. Right. So that could have caused everybody's but BYD's numbers were fine in December. So it's hard for me to argue that it's you know, it was COVID in the US. There's just so much uncertainty about the seventy five hundred dollar credit. It's kind of hard to sort through, you know, the puts and takes on this. You know, some people say I'm going to wait till January 1st. But then again, it was a seventy five hundred dollar credit you could get on just about everything you know, if, if you could take delivery by December 31st. So I, I don't know if that offset it. I could tell you that the, the, the numbers that I saw for China last night for the last week were horrible. There were four point three thousand, which for the
0: insurance is, number, right? For the weekly insurance
2: number. And again, it could be driven by COVID, which means for the month of December they were at forty eight, which means and again was just, do picture. Wow. They're producing ninety uh, nine, what was it? They're producing ninety thousand a month. Per month, and, yeah. And if you take domestic sales and exports, it's about seventy five a month. OK, so you're 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 15,000 too much production, even if you take the the exports at the current run rate and a domestic sales. So what I don't know is, is December normal or is December going to rebound because, you know, COVID, you know, people, people aren't if there's, if there's a lot of COVID people aren't going to take deliveries of cars. And so I, I definitely give you that. Um, I think what will help China a lot is be able to go directly against BYD, which is gaining a ton of share. In that under we'll call it 25 000 to 30 thousand dollar segment, but that's going to take a while because of the Osborne effect and just cannibalization of Model 3, you wouldn't want to announce it until you're closer to launching it, and that's the challenge,
0: okay? Yeah. So, but let me resume that and, and just state the same in a different way: you're, I mean, USA is difficult to evaluate with the IRA, uh, Europe. We're actually gaining market share. Europe is performing extremely well, and I would like to state this uh, so that everybody hears it. And then in China, we may have a temporary issue, which we don't know yet, whether it's COVID-related, and once COVID's over, may just come back roaring, or whether we're really losing market share to BYD, but BYD BYD is on a 4% margin business in in a much more mass market segment than tesla is so the question is shall we come down into that mass market segment or do we have enough buyers in the current segment right
2: right in europe you're right europe share has gone ev share so share tesla's uh, units divided by the ev business has gone from 12 to 15 in the last year in us just to round it out it's gone from about 72 down to 64 which again is not that alarming because we knew as you know more competitors came in they would lose EV share, and and look, the way you have to think about the math is if the EV business is growing, it it went from six point six percent in twenty twenty one of all cars to ten percent in twenty twenty two. That's about sixty percent growth. So you don't even have to hold your EV share to get to say thirty five to forty. You could lose some EV share, just doing the math. And so, yeah. I agree that you know it's this is not this is not such a bad thing because the EV business. Exactly. Why we like Tesla because. EV volumes around the world are going to continue to surge. It's, it's just a better product. It's no different than smartphones replacing flip phones back you know when Apple brought out its smartphone. And Apple never really um, gained that much uh, smartphone share versus Samsung, but they gained a lot of overall share. And I think that's the way you have to think about Tesla going forward, that EV adoption is going to continue to soar. We have it gone from 10% in 2022 to 15 this year, led by China. Uh, and we have it grown to 35 by 2026. 20, you Just do the math. 35 divided by 10, you know, figure out to the fourth power. That's a 37% growth rate. That's a huge tailwind if they could just hold on to their share with Cybertruck, a cheaper car, FSD, you know, any other innovation they can come up with between now and then.
1: Yeah. Could I add a couple of things real quick? Sure. Uh, if If you can bring up that tweet again, producer wife, uh, perfect. So on the topic, we're talking about the topic of demand and uh, Tesla being able to sell into different markets. We're talking about the European market. There's just a few points I want to make here, which I think are interesting and we can talk about too. So this is a chart made by uh, Peloli on Twitter. This is pulled from the European data sets for Tesla sales into Europe. So this is Tesla European sales by month and quarter. The bar all the way to the left is, uh, if my eyes don't fail me, uh, 2019 quarter one. And the bar all the way to the right is uh, quarter four 2022. And each color is the first, second, and third month. So the green is the first month. So if you look at the bar all the way to the right, that's quarter four 2022. So green is October. Um, uh, The uh, orange is November. And the red is December. So this looks to All me right. like a really nice, almost exponential line starting to appear here towards yeah. the end. It's probably going to plateau at some point. But so so the one thing that I want to bring up here is that so there's, there's a couple of things. One, in Europe, Tesla seems to be performing really, really well. Uh, and within the context on that same fourth quarter of when Elon bought Twitter, Okay, And then he started saying some uh, quite divisive things, especially towards, uh the left side of the spectrum that could alienate them. And from so the, some of the conversations I have had with people that live in Europe and stuff, uh, it tends like that uh, region of the world is, is a little bit more left leaning than the United States, where this brand damage could actually appear. And instead, the data set that I'm seeing here is quite the opposite. That the quarters actually performed better than any other quarter in the past so the signal i'm getting here is that the brand damage potential that has could could have existed this data set proves to me that it's not the case i think right I think. yes so that's one that's one thing i want to paint and then uh the other thing is uh, and then uh, if you can bring up uh the link i sent you last producer wife uh that was a um uh, perfect. So, this is a, a link that uh Troy Test like shared um a few weeks ago. So, uh, uh, I forget the user's name, I should give him credit. I'm going to give it to producer wife so she can post it. This person collects inventory data in the United States, total new inventory data in the United States for model S, X, three, and Y. Uh, the dot on the left is uh November 6, 2022, the dot on the right is January 4th, 2023. And you can see that ever since that incentive started in the, oh, Matt Jung, thank you, producer wife, Matt Jung created this, thank you, Matt Jung. Um, right around the, the the peak of the graph is when Tesla started giving that $7,500 tax credit. And the new inventory, if this is correct, which in the past, from some of the due diligence I've did is correct, the new inventory in the United States has fallen off a cliff. And the one thing I realized on their website is that the uh, they've removed any verbiage around the new tax credit. So this sort of drop that you see those last three dots on the right, which is for this year, this drop would have existed without any verbiage around that $7,500 tax credit, which to me says, Demand looks really healthy for uh, Tesla vehicles in the U.S. Um, so when you look at these data sets, and you know, we think about China, and you know, they, they Tesla right now, like you said, Gary, doesn't have that RoboTaxi, doesn't have that 25000 thirty thousand dollar car. But it seems like there's going to be a market for the Model Three and for the Model Y. They're in different, completely different sort of, um, sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, 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 brackets, right? Uh, price brackets. Um, is demand even uh, a concern? <laughs> Should it be a concern moving forward now that we have these data sets, or is it too early to tell?
2: I would love to see some data, and I'm going to be, you know, neg- I would be surprised if the brand has taken any hits. I, again, net promoter scores is the standard. People people look at those, and again, you, you ask people, would you recommend your Tesla to a friend or a family member, and a nine to ten gets a, a plus one. A six and below gets a minus one, seven and eight is ignored, and it can range from negative 100 to plus 100. I know there's a lot of people don't like them, but it, it, it's what the industry uses to figure out if the brand's been impacted. I, I would like to see it, and I, I'm sure Tesla has the data somewhere, so that would be helpful. Second, I agree with your points and I agree with your graphs. I don't believe that Tesla's brand's been impacted, and the Europe data would would, would, would prove that, or at least it's one mm. data. point. Um, the China numbers, it's just hard to know because COVID was raging for the last four or five weeks, but it didn't affect BYD, but BYD could have gained even more, you know, volume for all I know. Um, so I'm going to give it a, a pass and say, look, I'm, i I would say it's unknown and, and I have a new phrase, which I use today. I think all this noise is affecting the stock price, but it's not affecting the business and yeah, I, I think that's, that's where we are today, but put it I,
1: on a shirt.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Sell the T-shirt.
2: I could be proven wrong on this, you know, and I would love to see some market research data from somebody.
0: And I want to ask you both, what do you think of price elasticity for for Tesla's? Let's just not think about the IRA for the moment, just because it's so unknown what's happening. Given that Tesla increased the prices so heavily during COVID, right? And I mean, it's wonderful to have seen uh, 30% uh, operating margins, but that's obviously not the norm, and that's not going to be sustainable for long, long term. Um, But I have the feeling as soon as they give a little bit back in price, there is immediately respondents. And I want to congratulate all those that took second half of December opportunity, because given the mess now with the IRA, they were clever to take the 7,500 up front, right? (laughs) That was the best deal in time. Right, (laughs) that was on our dime, but that was the best deal. (laughs) That was the best deal in town. Go ahead on price elasticity, please.
2: I think there's definitely a good price elasticity. Is your point? I think if you reduce the price by even five percent, you're going to get immediate volume impact. But I would say this, and this is what the bears say the bears say, even despite all that promotional activity in China and the US in the fourth quarter in December, last of December they still barely beat 400,000 as a as a delivery number and you know there's there's some merit in that and again there's we can we can lay out all these factors of why that happened but i just I, I can't tell you with 100% certainty that there's not a demand issue right it feels like something is going on but i can't tell you whether it's covid i can't tell you whether it's you know all the competition i can't tell you whether there's some brand impact it just feels like the brand has not been impacted by all the noise, but the stock is clearly has. Right. So right. I, am yeah. giving, I don't know as an answer.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. I Arthur. saw, uh, a little secret i don't know if if you guys knew this i was before my tesla gig i was in charge of the pricing strategy for a 1.2 billion dollar distributor of pet food and supplies so this is like this is right within my wheelhouse kind of but it's been a minute it's been over five years so this is probably a bunch of bs i'm about to give you uh yeah to me it seems like the, the the last the last couple weeks of the Tesla um, incentive in the U.S., I think to me was proof that the, that the price elasticity exists. And as soon as they want to unlock demand, all they have to do is drop the price and you're set, at least in the U.S. market. And if I look at the data set that we just showed from, from the European market, it seems like they're already priced pretty well you know they, they yeah. had a record quarter in Europe um and you know it doesn't seem like it needs any help and, and especially thinking about Europe and how they're a little bit a little bit a little bit more pro EV they have a better infrastructure uh, people yeah, are more willing to buy those vehicles yeah. right yeah. um Model Y is performing extremely well in Germany mm-hmm. i think Model Y is yeah. going to be surprised uh, a big time surprise for a lot of the european market because of the form factor it provides and the sort of solutions that it solves for so i think I think what and and the China thing again. I think I'm with Gary. I I just don't know the market. I I I don't have any contacts in China. I've never been to China. It's culturally is very different. Um, I do agree that it, the competition is much stiffer. But at the same time, they have uh, the largest car market in the world. And if if the problem is well, we're not gonna. There's not enough people to buy the Model Y and the Model Three, even at say bottom dollar prices where Tesla says five percent margin, which would put them. Uh, quite uh, like the Model 3 at the lowest range, if they decide to sell at the same margin as the BYD, uh, like say, lowest competitor, I mean, they wouldn't be that far away. So like the pricing power is there for them to unlock that demand. So it's everything's there for them to just push a bunch of units into the market and so for me demand is just a simple equation as you want more demand lower the price how much margin do you have almost 30 okay cool lower it big deal like to me it's not it's not a huge deal and then over time i think if if they can create that continued separation from a product perspective where the model three and the model y are clearly Clearly, the best product out there, similar to say the way I view an iPhone versus an Android. Sorry, Android folks, I just feel like the Apple phone is significantly better. Okay, then if that perceived separation is there, I think uh, Tesla is going to continue to to really leverage their pricing power and say, okay, we're just we're just selling it at, at the we're ca- capacity constraint, and we're selling as much as we can. And if we literally lower the price any more than now, we're going to have years of backlog, so we can't. So as long as that's the equation that keeps going forward. Word, I don't see a problem. And that, and that relies on product excellence, which given now that they're you know, setting up that March 1st thing that says, hey, come on down to Giga Texas and check out all, on all the awesome core engineering technical challenges that has allowed us to have 17%, 18% operating income percent, and potentially more into the future, it's because of the product and come check it out. If that continues, it's not a problem. It's not a problem whatsoever. It's just, I think Gary's statement is perfect. It's perfect. It's the noise is impacting the stock, but it's not (laughs) impacting the company. And I think ultimately that's my biggest takeaway, and it applies to price elasticity.
0: Now we're back to the first. Go no, go ahead.
2: What we don't know is how much of a price reduction do you need to get the momentum going again? And again, the U.S. it was fifteen percent. If you take seventy five hundred divided by an average selling price of what's called fifty two. That's, you know, that's 15%. That's a Well, big... 7,500
0: that 7, was because the IRA was 7,500. I don't think they would yeah. have ever come up with 7,500 if the IRA was it at the door. That's,
2: exactly. That's, that's fair. But, you know, again, with the IRA, it's such an uncertain concept today with, you know, because you don't have other than the seven seat Model Y and you'd have to produce the the Model 3 long range again and you'd have to lower the price a little bit. There's, mm. Those are the only things that would qualify right now. Well,
0: I mean, there are a couple of things I want to add you I actually wanted to walk to Tom Chu, but I'll get there. Um, first of all, I think cost of goods sold is getting down. Elon mentioned that uh, the supplies are going down. It takes about three to six months to filter into the factory inventory prices, right? And, and so I think we're going to see that soon, that we have a lower cost of goods sold. The other thing is the Model 3 obviously gets a revamp, so I expect this to be costings. And so much cheaper, I mean, much cheaper, but a much more efficient way of producing and, and lower lower prices. So between um, supply getting cheaper and Model 3 production getting cheaper, I think they can actually lower the price yet hold steady the margin. So that's the first thing. The second thing I wanted to move on is, uh, do you think they will present us officially Tom Chu on the 1st of March? Do, do you think mm. there is going to be um, some... I I want to fall in love with the man, I said already. I mean, not with the man, but with the persona.
2: (laughs) I I think he's being set up, you know, to be the clear number two, you know, the the old Jerome role that, you know, didn't work out in the end. And look, he's got a reputation being a workaholic, uh, being very smart, you know, technologically. I think he's got all the skills from what I can tell. And the fact that he's now being brought over to the U.S. to run sales and marketing and not just, you know, a plant, I think that's a that's a great sign. And most most investors will like it. And if he gets, quote unquote, introduced, you know, as the clear number two to to Elon, as long as people don't think Elon's going anywhere, I think that will be viewed as a huge positive because then you got somebody, you know, like a Tim Cook who can run the company if Elon gets hit by the proverbial bus. And Mm -hmm. I. I think it would be a disaster just to make myself clear if Elon were to leave Tesla. It would institutions would hate it because Elon is the passion, he's the drive, he's the fire behind Tesla and he needs to stay and he needs to be 100 percent engaged to to the extent that he can Given it. You know, he still has his other companies, obviously. So I would much prefer that Elon stays as CEO of Tesla, has a strong number two in Tom Zoo and, um, you know, find somebody really credible who he can work with who can run twitter who he trusts
0: yeah Yeah. well that's hopefully soon on the agenda
1: if i could plug something real quick uh producer wife i just sent you a link to uh, a youtube video this one might be interesting for people that want to learn more about uh, tom tom uh i think it's pronounced if i remember correctly come on gary get her right Uh, jeez uh, i'm kidding we're (laughs) we're gonna learn
0: it. I'm me between Giga and Giga okay. and
1: <laughs> So if you if you pull up the uh, the video there, um, uh, producer wife. So uh, Matt and Matt Smith and Emmett Peppers from Good Soul interviewed a uh, a former mm. Tesla China employee who worked with Tom. Uh, on uh, PR, allegedly on PR, on yeah. PR and communications. Yes, and mm. and I say allegedly because I can't confirm, but I trust these guys, so I'm sure they're right. Um, but I would recommend you guys check out this video. Uh, I'll have producer wife link it in the comment section. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's a, it's a very, it's actually the second link, uh, producer wife. is not the first one. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's going to be very, um, it, I would recommend everybody, everybody uh, watch that because it gives, I think it gives a lot of insight into the kind of person Tom is and the sort of value that he could bring to the Tesla story. I do think, I do think he, it's, it's a very obvious, um, uh, and thank you for uh, pulling that up producer wife. Uh, I think it's going to be, uh, He's gonna be a, a great global leader of automotive, I believe, I think. Yeah,
0: very uh, devoted, right?
1: Yeah, very devoted. He's been at Tesla for, I think, almost eight years now. Um, he was in charge of leading the uh, Tesla Shanghai effort, which to this day is Tesla's crown jewel when it comes to production, mm-hmm. especially as Austin and Berlin are still ramping. Those two facilities could at some point be uh, more efficient than Shanghai, but I don't know. I mean, China does have a very specific war culture that is very uh, complementary to to Tesla's work culture as well. So, and now I think him being in charge potentially of uh, all these gigafactories is gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome for for Tesla. It's gonna be awesome for Tesla's long-term growth. And if they can be as efficient and uh, as quick as they have been in Shanghai in places like Berlin and Austin, that's great it's it's great and and uh, that's what i would expect under tom's leadership because i think he has a he has a track record of doing that in shanghai yeah
0: Yeah. and i would like to add the ones watching the the very good interview of Emmett and matt with uh, the chinese person should also watch there is a a youtube video and i can link it in my twitter feed later of tom chu being interviewed in chinese but they put english subtitles in the comments below um, I've hardly seen somebody as passionate about a production line. I mean, you know, understand where I come from. I have no idea how to produce a car, and I'm watching in Chinese uh, a, a YouTube video where with Chinese subtitles, but then English comments in the in the below comments, and having to match it all together. And I was clued to the to the screen just because he is so passionate about what he's doing, how he organized those shifts, how he organized those people, how he promotes people and whatever. Again, all in Chinese. But uh, but it comes over, especially for Asian people who usually are more reserved than us Western people, it comes really over as somebody who is very, very devoted and passionate about what he's doing.
2: The other thing I would say in China they've used PR very effectively to handle, you know, to go after the FUD. And so hopefully, you know, they they can if he's going to run sales and marketing in the U.S., they may see that here, too, which would be helpful mm. to combat some of the FUD out there.
1: Yeah. in that same interview, they, they talked about that specific scenario, too, where it was uh, when that lady went on the Model S in oh, that yeah. show and then was saying, you know, Tesla makes uh, like the brakes fail or something and turned out to be a hoax. Mm. Uh, they talk about how Tom led this effort to just fix the problems they were seeing, and it worked. The, the the fix yeah. worked so that's very promising for you know maybe that's that's the uh, signal that says hey we might start these efforts globally it's not just going to be a china thing it's going to be a global
0: and thing. you we look, should. and the investment exactly i'm like <whoo. laughs> there we go oh continue continuing on the happy theme i got today an email from uh, gary you see every time i get an email from you gary how happy i am um what? introducing that you're looking for investors into your company that's uh, doing the asset management. You wanna talk about that a little bit?
2: Sure, so we're, we're gonna be opening up to outside capital uh, for Future Fund. We're trying to launch a uh, Future Fund long short product and a hedge product, so it's really to grow the business. And so we'll be sending out, uh, if you haven't received one, you'll be getting one shortly, emails that talk about our private placement. Uh, we're trying to raise between up to $5 million and we're willing to give up you know, a certain percentage of the company uh, I think up to 33%. And so we're going to do a conference call next week to talk about it. And hopefully people would be willing to participate. We we think it's a great opportunity because not just about Tesla, but with interest rates potentially coming down next year, growth stocks, which is what we own, uh, should do very well as soon as as, interest, as, soon as the Fed pivots. As long as we don't go into a deep recession, this might be the great time to buy you know, growth stocks. And we think it's a good opportunity to be investing and affirm that that's all we do so um, look for that Uh, hopefully it's in your email in the next couple days
0: Thank nice you very much. Go a little bit go a little bit lower, Cindy, because there's a picture of me. Let me let okay. me show you because because you see, there's Ross Whoa. and there I am. Here I am. Because <laughs> Gary asked me to be on his advisory board and I accepted that last month. So there I am. So now I if I become an investor, can I really boss you around, Gary? That's the whole question. Yes,
2: you can, you're on our advisory board. it be the closest you and Ross will ever get together. Put you <laughs> <on the laughs> board. You That's to actually
0: person? true. Do you duke it out? Um, That's, That's actually true. That's probably the closest I would get to Ross. That was funny.
1: <laughs> and and for people that are looking to uh, invest with your fund, ticker FFND, correct, Gary?
2: Yeah, but it's a it's a private placement to basically invest in the firm itself. So it's it's really to help us expand. And the the, the next steps are we have FFLS, which is going to be a long short product we have a hedge product coming out. And it's really so we can hire more sales, a salesperson, we don't have any salespeople, and you know, get more infrastructure in place so we can take us to the next level of growth. Our goal is to get to be, be about a billion dollars over the next five years in AUM. Uh, today we're about 40 something, um, and that's the future fund plus separate accounts. And at a billion, we estimate we could earn about seven and a half million dollars in profit. So you can put whatever multiple you want on that, discount it back, and so the implicit valuation on this um, is about $10, $10 million, if you go through all the math. Uh, 15 million post money. So we think it's a good opportunity for people. We're, we're doing it at a time where growth's been beaten up. The Fed is you know, about to pivot. So we think it's a pretty exciting time to be investing in a business like this. I do want to bring up one other thing that we didn't talk about, which is just the mega packs, which I wanted to talk about on CNBC today, but they cut me off.
1: Um, oh, sorry, we ran out of time. Thank you. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs>
2: but, but I, you go. It is I had to. And look, I was I was slow to come around, but the cell side is not talking about megapacks, and so Lathrop came on. I've done a bunch of research, um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, just trying to get up to speed on it. And many of you are way ahead of me on this, and thank you for for helping me understand it. But if if we really have Lathrop can 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 have capacity of uh, 10,000 units per year and these things sell for two million dollars each and they're really backup energy storage sources You know everybody, you know for peak hours wants that backup energy and a lot of people want something that's more sustainable the um, The wait time to get one of these is not till 2024 so if late Lath-
0: 2024
2: right so if later can do even 5,000 per year and a lot of it's based on can they get the, the batteries needed to produce five ten five or ten thousand units Five thousand units at two million dollars each is ten billion dollars. There's a lot of debate what kind of gross margin is gonna be on this. I just assumed a more conservative twenty percent. There are people using numbers like sixty percent. I don't know. But even if it's twenty percent, that adds incrementally fifty cents to a dollar per share in earnings. And you're also gonna get some tax credits as a result of this. So Exactly. Fifty cents to a dollar in earnings when we're only looking for We're now at 570, our new number for 2023. Yeah, and Wall Street much lower. And the streets at 515, that could be a huge surprise. And nobody is talking about it. There's a bunch of buy-side people talking about it, but very few people on the sell-side are talking about it. So that Mm -hmm. could be a real positive surprise.
1: I are the chances am so to sh-
0: happy to hear you say I this know. you have no idea it's been three weeks of getting you this is there. almost a signal
1: <laughs> if if gary black's on the mega pack train look out right it's one exactly. like one of those things Better that's late very exciting
0: Better late and let's and let's now yeah. see your impact because you'll see once you talk about it it will filter through let's yeah. just watch yeah. it happen
2: talk about it on cnbc but they just literally ran out of time i, I said ask me about the mega pack and uh carl didn't ask me about it and then i wanted to talk about it and they just couldn't do it so that's fine next time
1: can you yeah. X out that uh that little thing on the right there cindy babe producer wife so many names uh yeah so What's this is the-
2: do, you, do you call per- her producer wife and all your activities like eating,
1: <laughs> yeah i do like everything when we go shopping producer wife i need your help picking out the sauce <laughs> it just started this one day you know she's a she's a little camera shy you know she likes to stay behind the scenes so i'm like i'm just gonna you know call it producer wife and it just stuck and then the, my favorite is when people in, in the comment section are like you're such a miso- misogynist i'm like she's literally my producer and my wife like what do you want me to say bro like literally those are the two names my um, name is cindy her name's cindy she's the most beautiful person she- i've ever met both inside and she out
0: is. yeah
1: um, so this is the Mega Pack product. For those that are not familiar, um, yeah. So let me ask you this, Gary what What are the chances that this is the trigger in Q4 earnings that could be a surprise? Because like when I think about what are the things that could surprise in Q4, th- there's not a lot, you know, four hundred and five thousand deliveries. Um, doesn't seem like there's any room for surprise there, especially when they're dropping prices in the US for the last couple of weeks, you got the China incentives, uh, you got that full self-driving one-time impact from the deferred revenue, but everybody's gonna back that out like we talked about, right? But like really the only thing there is energy. So. Um, how big of an impact could, could there be like a 50%, a hundred percent growth quarter over quarter because of that Lathrop, by the way, kudos for pronouncing Lathrop correctly. I've heard so many people calling it something else and I'm like, it's Lathrop. Um, how do you think about that? How do you think about Q4 impact with energy?
2: I, I don't see it impacting Q4. I mean, it really just came online at the end of third quarter and it's, it's a new factory, you're going to have startup issues. And so you, you could have some, I don't know, I don't know, make up a number. You know a thousand of these things units produce maybe but I'd, I'd be making it up and from a profitability standpoint I don't know if it's gonna add much I don't want to set the expectations out there that it's gonna happen in fourth quarter but I do think it's gonna be something they'll talk about on the earnings call they yeah. when they came up with their 20 accomplishments for 2022 this was one of them and it was with a bunch of other really big accomplishments so I think you'll hear a lot more about it during investor day and I think that's that's when the sell side We'll pick up on it and start, you know, it doesn't take a lot to do the math. If you get, if you have 10,000 units of capacity, even if you did 5,000, at $2 million a pop, it's a huge number. And it so is. I think that's yeah. where the sell side will get excited about it. And
0: and I actually expect another factory for that. Uh, I don't know whether it's going to be in the United States or in China, because yesterday we saw a report how eager China is to have uh, more megapacks. So uh, I, I expect that they're going to announce not only a car, gigafactory but also uh, a factory a second factory now for um for the mega packs
2: I, mean, I it fits with the brand it fits with the vision it fits with the whole yeah. accelerate sustainable energy <laughs> but there's a very practical purpose when you're talking to utilities and you know communities and even companies that want to be green it's just it's a it's a perfect product for tesla <laughs> if they can you know just outdistance the competition on it
1: yeah. The way I think about it is is the the grid, the energy grid for most most countries is a hot mess and it's extremely yeah. inefficient. And if you can introduce a product that's going to uh, lower the cost of a utility, lower the cost of, to the consumer, make it much more reliable, and because it's such a hot mess, you can keep a lot of that profit to yourself because of that crazy gap between the product you're offering right now and the mess that it is, this seems like the perfect time for Tesla to be like, okay, check this out. Nobody talked about this before. Boom. All of a sudden you're entering a potential trillion dollar industry in five to 10 years. And you think about what are the moving pieces in a mega pack compared to a, to a Tesla car? It's probably one, one half to one, one fifth, you know, of, of mm-hmm. the moving of the parts that are, that take up a mega pack. You think about the EV versus the gas car, you had this crazy reduction in parts. And now you go yeah. from the electric car to the mega pack. Which, if you if you have even similar margins, the mega pack is a no brainer product for you because it takes a, a <laughs> fraction of the labor and the processes and the steps to manufacture these things. You don't have to deal with bricks. You don't got to deal with wheels. You don't got to deal with uh, all these little auxiliary things. You don't got to tr- worry That's... about a trim that doesn't rattle when you're driving it around. It's just a box. What and, the hell?
0: And yeah. much more recession resistance. The Correct. entities purchasing this have nothing to do with real economy. So that that is really a product that will perform no matter the, the economic climate.
1: Exactly.
2: So I'll talk more about it. Hopefully, you know, on investor day, they'll talk about it and. People will get excited about it and it's going to be another catalyst that everybody's going to focus oh. on.
0: Move it up in your catalyst list. Higher up, higher up.
1: <laughs> number one, number one.
0: <laughs> there we go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we got about 10 minutes left. Do you guys want to hit anything before we hit Q&A or should we go straight into q no, and I just
0: want to say thank you uh, Cindy, uh, for, uh, to Cindy for having taken off that film of the Megapacks. I have a huge problem in my life, which is I'm really scared of heights, right? And that video showing all those mega. So I was sweating my way through here. I was like, take it off, take it off. (laughs) And now I'm back in normal. Thank you. No, no, you forgot. It's not real. It's
1: not real. Don't worry. You're good. (laughs) (laughs)
0: No, I I was in there. Let's go to the questions. I'm all relaxed again. Gary, did you have anything? Which I even
2: hate to bring up, but I will because that's my role. Uh, You know, this guy who tried to commit murder suicide you know with his family Oof. um and the car you know the the kids get minor scratches and you know the two the two adults were critical but they lived. i don't know if in any other car people would have lived the 250 foot plunge i just find that yeah. amazing and it's look it's it's not great pr but it is good pr when you think about it
0: oh it's great pr i'm sorry i don't i don't agree that it's not great pr i mean first of all especially America, seems to be glued to these stories, right? Honestly, in Europe, you hear this story once and then people just think how dark it is and they don't talk about it anymore. In in America, now we will hear the guy going to prison and the wife doing her whatever and the kids doing so so this will be going on. The pictures were spectacular. You know, for all these people that love to watch uh, accidents and blood, here they've got it. Um then the, the the pure result, because initially they thought all four people were in intensive care. The children walked away. The children had nothing this is absolutely, I mean nothing. You talk about the psychological damage, but they had nothing to in, in terms of scratches and, and and injuries um so the tesla brand is out there in the best possible way i i mean i don't like this story but the drama that's added to it and the addiction of the americans to go into these drama stories can't be better pr than that this is uh, real life uh, your your tesla saved your life
1: yeah it's unbelievable 250 foot uh uh <laughs> cliff drive. You off. see my we, my
0: height, my height yeah. <laughs> Shoot Yeah, I was <laughs>
1: glad you didn't make it like full screen because you might you might have started like passing out. <laughs> um, and then there there is one. W- w- Sorry, go ahead, Gary. Go ahead.
2: No, I mean everybody knows Tesla for its range. People know its performance. You know, zero to sixty in three seconds. Um, people fawn over the technology, but safety is where it's all going, and especially as FSD and self-driving becomes really important. Anything that Tesla can do to talk about its safety is is, is is enhancing. And so this, without spending a dime on advertising, and again, I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but it's really gonna help that safety brand because it, it just shows that they build, Tesla builds a really high quality, safe car.
1: They really it do. does. Um, Let me cover just something for 30 seconds and then we'll do Q&A real quick. Uh, Producer wife slash Cindy slash babe Uh, real quick. And I don't know if you guys want to give your your quick thoughts on this. Uh, So there was a Tesla filed an application for a trademark on 122822 for the following asynchronous motors, not for land vehicles, motors for airplanes, motors, namely synchronous motors, not for land vehicles, permanent magnet motors, boat motors. So it looks like they're starting to set the stage for the next generation of products. What do you guys think about that?
0: Now, first thing is this is a trademark, right? This is the name protected, meaning now for these type of motors or for these type of products, Tesla has a trademark that's or will have a trademark because this takes about 6 to 12 months. Uh, that's protected the same way that it's currently already protected for um, cars and megapacks and whatever. So this is not yet a patent or, or anything, you know, technical. It's a very good beginning. I love it. I love the idea. I think it brings a lot of fantasy. I also think it's not um, a coincidence. I think this is all building up to the 1st of March and what we're going to announce. I love the idea, but let's not speculate too much. At the moment, it's just making sure in that niche, the name Tesla, the name is going to be protected.
1: I was about to add $5 VPS in Q3 for this. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Gary's like, you son of a bitch. You were gone at start, weren't you? (laughs) Go ahead, Gary.
2: Look, I think it's a good thing, as you say, expanding the brand, but I won't be adding anything to my price target yet. (laughs) <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. I mean, this is right in the direct uh, thing with Master Plan Part 3, and Elon has talked about teasing it. To me, that March 1st, it just, it's to me, the more I think about it, the more it feels like one of the, it's probably going to be the biggest product announcement place for Tesla in a long time, because I really think they have an opportunity to start laying out some things but i don't want to hype it up too much so i'm just going to shut up yeah. there all right let's do some q a real quick uh i know uh producer wife and i have a, a caught off a hard cut off in nine minutes so we'll try to get through as many as we can um go ahead producer wife hit us with some light jazz or some light lo-fi and uh, let's do some q a ray johnson thank you very much for the uh five dollar australian uh super chat how many new factories will be announced and when in your opinions who wants to take this one first
2: uh, well, they're going to have to start announcing some soon because if they want to get to even, I have 10 million units by 2030, we're at, you know, 2 million plus of capacity. You need at least another, you know, 10 or so gigafactors. I would expect we'll see two of them announced this year in 2023 and probably one in the first quarter in North America. Yeah.
0: So- I, I agree on the two i also think they actually like to have two at the same time remember they did uh austin and berlin simultaneously uh and i would like to add to that at least one um to supplement lethrop i think there's gonna be another one for for mega maybe even two with china
1: okay next question ray johnson thank you very much 10 dollars australian super chat for gary could tesla T- sell the software for battery storage for a monthly fee to non-Tesla battery packs, and what value could be added to the cap? So this is probably the auto better um, technology that Tesla's working on. What do you think about that, Gary?
2: Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I don't. I mean, I'm sure they could sell it that way, but again, it's to me, it's premature to put that type of a you know recurring earnings stream into my model at this point. But yeah, they could do it. Uh, okay. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know yet how profitable autobidder is. And I have in memory that about two years ago, Elon always said, if we do autobidder, it's going to stay within Tesla. That's what we are doing. It's not going to be rolled out to customers for them to use it. Um, I don't know whether that has evolved or not. I really don't. We really yeah, need th- more information on the, uh, on the energy side.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, look, yeah. when, I, when I build a model, I want to have some certainty. I'm not going to have to take it out of my model down the road because it just didn't happen. And even like things with Cybertruck, I put it in very early and it's been, what, four years of of delays. Um, And hopefully it comes this year so I don't have to take it out of my model for 2023.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think think Tesla has a legitimate chance in the next five to ten years to start building in some significant SaaS earnings through FSD and AutoBidder in the same way that Amazon did Amazon Web Services. So I think once that comes to fruition that could be a very positive out upside for the for the yeah. stock long term yeah. um next one <clears throat> Herman thank you very much when do you think Tesla will go into markets in Africa India and South America um Alexandra and then Gary what do you guys think
0: well as soon as they have enough cars to sell there I mean one of the issues obviously was and I think India there's still an issue with the import tax uh to remember there was this question will they have to build a factory to to lower that um duty to to get into the market but south america and africa i don't i don't see any issues i mean africa is obviously a question do you have the the clients the, the client base for these prices yet and already south america you certainly do um i think there are still quite a lot of markets to be to be conquered you see how quickly they entered into israel once they knew there was the year-end um, incentive getting to an end, and, and they just fill those. That's the advantage of having Shanghai producing so much. Once you enter into those markets, you can actually fill them very quickly. Australia is another good example.
2: Yeah, I think South America first. India, I was more positive on Then I started doing <laughs> some work on it. And, you know, the average vehicle in India is just so low. It's hard to uh, see how Tesla can make money in it. Uh, but South America, there's, there's a lot of wealthy people who would buy Tesla's and you know you could you could ship them right from the United States so I think South America is relative,
0: exactly. or Mexico once you have a giga in Mexico who knows yeah yeah
1: I think I think Cybertruck could be a surprise in Africa and South America and I think the cheaper car will do great True. in India mm-hmm. yeah I think Cybertruck's gonna sell a lot more than a lot of analysts thinks I think it's a million unit a year car yeah, certainly but
0: more than what, in Europe no, I don't see it in Europe
2: no it's too big but capacity you know I don't I don't know what. Uh, Giga Texas could make, you know. I mean, there's numbers all over the place, but could it make 250,000 a year? Maybe, but they'll need another
1: factory. Yeah, but, they have a lot of land there, though. They can probably do like four or five Giga on the same land, but it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how they build that out. Uh, let's do a couple more uh thank you very much franamo3 question i read that byd's sold count includes cars sold to dealerships do we have any stats that show the inventory of dealerships maybe dealership inventory balloon in that same time period gary maybe this is this one's for you because you you know a little bit better i don't have it uh x
2: they they do include uh uh dealer inventory it's a normal car company um Mm -hmm. but i don't i don't have it broken out you know just non dealer non-dealer sales versus dealer sales I
0: don't I think the better numbers are actually the insurance numbers and I mean they are good in insurance numbers uh, again it's a low margin business they're doing uh they're growing I want to see how actually they can sustain themselves exporting to europe with this margin model i don't I don't see it yet um but we'll see and um, to get around this dealership yes or no question look at the insured cars in China that's probably the best indicator you can get. Because no dealer is gonna insure them before he has to do it.
1: Very true. Next one. Chris, Chris. Uh will Tesla I hope that's your first name and your last name. Chris Chris. Will Tesla get another car company uh to adopt their full self driving? Um Alexandra then Gary, what do you guys think?
0: Uh, I do believe so. Um, I, I just can't see any of the competitors getting there first. I mean, who knows, maybe the Chinese do, maybe Maymo goes. I do believe lots of the car companies, the OEMs would prefer anything but Tesla. But uh, uh, once the software is clearly the winner, especially in security and in comfort, and I just do believe that's going to come, um, they will adopt it. It will be a question of survival. If if you if you have the, the Tesla insight with all the advantages it will have by then, I do believe they will license it.
2: Now, FSD is clearly a driver <laughs> of this product right now. And, you know, there's rumors that they will introduce... You know, a high-def radar um, as an addition to the the hardware package they have today. I actually have thought this for a while where there'll be two FSDs, one which will be more expensive, which will be capable of driving itself, you know, true level four autonomy, and one that's kind of where we are today, we'll call it level two and a half, where the driver has to stay awake, in control, and it just uses a driver-assist package and i think for driver assist yeah there definitely could be some um you know some some royalty flow or some income that comes in but i can't see it being fifteen thousand dollars a package for just a driver assist package it just seems like a lot now could they get to level four with the vision only package they could but it just seems like it keeps getting pushed back further and further and if it's true that they're actually going to introduce high or reintroduce radar high definition radar you know, that, that may take a while, so um, I, I do think you could see a two-tier market just like you've seen with other um, car components, stereos and, you know, ceramic wheels and things like that. You, you know, you, you, you could see a two-tier level of autonomy as well, driver and fully autonomous, and I wouldn't surprise me if we saw that down the road.
0: Yeah. yeah. If you don't mind, Cindy, can you pull up the comment from Jeffrey at uh, 258 about, you know, how much BYD would have to do to be comparable to uh, to Tesla? I found that very compelling. I mean, I love Jeff anyway. I, you, I know you know him, Gary. Yeah. Um, I just think he, he I mean, he's somebody who's worked on the supply chain, who knows a lot more than anybody that I know. And, and I'm learning a lot from him. So, Tesla ships 50% more battery electric vehicles than BYD at eight times the profit per car. So, BYD to just be equal would need to ship 7.3 million cars to equate the profit that Tesla is currently making on 1.3 million cars produced per year. So that, that puts it in relation. I mean, we all look at BYD as a shiny object, but they've got a way to go before they have the profit margins that uh, Tesla has. And maybe they don't need them. You know, if you have the support of the, the Chinese government, maybe you don't need to compete with tesla but just in our terms in stock market terms that's what counts
2: although again when you're investing in a stock you need to see unanticipated change so if byd can double their margins from let's call it four to eight and people are expecting them to go to five the stock's going to go up right they don't have to get sure
0: to right? manage your expectations have somebody who communicates like that there we are <laughs> <laughs> last question so that you are on time. I'm sorry that we're keeping uh, you. So uh actually,
1: no, we're gonna have to wrap that up. Yeah, unfortunately that's gonna be the okay. last one here. We gotta go. But uh thank you very much, both of you. I'm gonna give you guys the last word. Uh Alexander and then Gary. Uh last word and then we'll uh, sign the sucker off. Go for it.
0: Well, thank you very much for doing this. I thought that was important. Uh, um you know just talk it through calmly. There is no big crisis around, this may be good moments to get into the stock again. Let's all look forward to the 1st of March and then to the 16th of May for the shareholder meeting.
2: And I would say, uh, ignore the noise. The noise is affecting the stock, but not the business. Put it yes,
0: on. Oh sure. shirt. Come on now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy your vacation,
0: Gary. Come back soon. Thank you,
1: everybody. Thank you, Alexandra. Take Thank care. you, Gary. Thank you, producer wife. Bye. Thank you, everybody in the comments for keeping it respectful. We'll see you in the next one. Yes. Take it easy, everybody. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. And, and bro.